As you know, we are busy studying through the book of John. There is so many messages that we can learn from. Never, ever, ever can we say that the Word of God is boring. Yes? <laughs> you can't say that. If you come and tell me that, I'll tell you that you don't study your Bible. It is the lifeline for every child of God. It's the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, you know what's on the mind of God. Yes? I mean, if, if I stand here for a whole hour just like this, it's going to be really awkward, isn't it? I've got so many things I want to tell you. It's on my mind, honestly. I'm, I'm just ready to go. Sarah, can you see I'm ready to go? Do you want to know what I'm going to say? Now it's getting really awkward. And that's what people do sometimes with the Word of God. They just go like this. And this is now awkward. Because God's mind is in this book. And He wants to share it with you. But, all you do is, or some people even go like this. And somehow they think if they're going to do this, it's going to just bring the whole download into their mind. Now I know everything. You see, I've got so many things on my mind that I want to share with you. But if I not open up my mouth and start sharing those thoughts with you, it ain't going to go nowhere and you're going to be awkward. So that's the thing, friends. This is the mind of God. Do you want to know what's on God's mind? Who wants to know? Can I see hands? Who wants to know what's on God's mind? Then we better open up the Word and see what's on His mind. So we want to study and, and look what God wants to tell us. And we are busy, busy studying the book of John and we, we're just following Jesus Christ. And as we follow Him, we find new things about our Christian life. It impacts us so much and we grow spiritually and we become spiritually mature. And then sometimes we come in a circumstance or a situation and previously we, we didn't know what to do, but now because we know what, what God knows what to do and He instructs us through His Word, now we know what to do. And that's got a greater impact. We don't fret anymore. We don't fear anymore. We don't worry anymore. We're not anxious anymore. Why? Because we've got the faith and the trust in Him. And that's why we read our Bible. And that's why we follow Jesus Christ. And that's why we study through the book of John. To learn more about Jesus. More and more about Jesus. And it's so wonderful. Today we come to a miracle that's happened. And in this miracle the noble man came to Jesus. And this is his words. Jesus' words to this man. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And in that one sentence, Jesus Christ encapsulates what's happening in your world right now. Because today, dear friends, people are looking for signs and they're looking for wonders. Today, show us a sign. Show us something that we can believe you. Show us something that will... The word wonders there means, wow, I'm amazed. Say, show us something that amazes us. Otherwise, we will not follow you, we will not believe you. Because the word of today is seeing is believing. 
That's it. But Jesus is not. You know, Paul writes this down, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's it. That's you and me. We walk by faith and not by sight. This is why we follow Jesus intentively. We, we look at how He reacts in situations. That's how we need to do this study. He goes, he, you know, He talks to this lady at the well who's a Sumerian. And they saw, the Jews saw them as, as half-breeds. Same as today. These people in our society would look upon you as, as a half-breed, as somebody beneath them. And maybe... Lest, dare I say, you might look upon others and say they are beneath us. No, no, Jesus says, this is how we address that. And He addresses that situation. So this is where we're going. And we're studying through this book. And now, I'll tell you what, I think we're going to be the best part of a year busy with this book, yes? Now, before we go into John, I thought it will go via this way. I want you to open up in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. And we're just going to read through this and, and, and this is going to lead into our teaching today. He says in verse 6, he says, So when they had come together, this is the disciples with Jesus, they ask Him, they say, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Why did they ask Him this? This is after the resurrection. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, some of them don't even saw Him on the cross because they ran away. But He died on the cross. He went to the tomb. The tomb was empty. The stone has been rolled away. Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. And now He appears to them. And this is just before He's going to be ascended up into heaven. At this point in time, they come to Him and they say, Are you going to restore the kingdom of, of Israel? Of, of, uh, Israel? And I love his answer. He says in verse 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. It's not for you to know. Yet, last year, at the beginning of this year, we had all these people going on about the blood moons and all of these kind of things going on. Look, friend, I just trust God that He knows the best time that His Son is going to return. I don't have to waste my time to running around. The Bible says that every single day I have to be ready for His return. Are you ready? Are you ready for His return if He comes this morning? If He comes in the next five minutes, are you ready? You have to be ready. And if I'm ready, I don't have to worry when He's coming. Because I'm ready. He says, look, it's not that. But this is the verse that I want to start off with today. He says, but, do not worry about the come, but, sharp contrast, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, gazing into heaven, gazing, just looking, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Man, I'm waiting for him to come back on the clouds. Hallelujah. Are you waiting for him? You see, we get so busy with our daily tasks and things and we have to work to get money to put food on the table and to go on a holiday and to buy the best clothes we can do. We do all of those things. But friends, you've got to look at those things with an eye gazing into heaven. He went away but not to stay. He's coming back again. He's coming back again. He said, I will not leave you. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I've prepared, I'm coming back for you. He's coming back for us. And listen to this. As we're going to continue on, there will be the people who come and say, where is this Jesus? He ain't coming back. He didn't come back in Paul's day. Let them not confuse you. Our Lord is coming back. That's the good news. But while we're here on this earth, we need to do something. We need to do something. And what is that? It's right there in front of us. I love this verse. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now the reason why coming to this, I want to show you in the book of John that nothing that Jesus says is just off the cuff. Every single thing has a purpose. Look at this now. There's two words that stands out for me. The first word is power. It comes from the Greek word dunamis. And that's where we find two English words from dynamo and dynamite. What will happen if I light a dynamite in this place? Well, I guess you'll run for the doors, won't you? Because a dynamite go boom. But dynamo is the one that I like. What is a dynamo? It keeps on going on. It's dynamic. You see, a lot of people want to grab onto the word power as a dynamite. Oh, give us the power, Lord. Give us the power. We want to take over the government and all of that. That's not why he said these words. No, no. I reckon he said these words. He wants us to become dynamic what? Witnesses. Witnesses. That's what you and I need to become. Now, the word there in English says witness. But here... It says witness there, but when you look at the Greek word, it comes from the Greek word martyr. What does a martyr do? He dies for what he believes in. So in, in fact, Jesus turns to his disciples first of all, and he says, I want you to become my martyrs. Wow, that's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? Will you die for him? Will you die for him? There are people, as we are sitting in this place today and other parts of the world, dying for Him. They become the true martyrs for Him. They are killed. They come to them and say, renounce Christianity and say that you follow Allah and that you're a Muslim or you die. And you know what some of them do? They die. They become the true witnesses of Him. But we've got it so easy in the Western world. So easy. If they stand outside and they say, if you walk out of this place, denounce Christ or you die, what will you do? Oh, I've got to look after my children, my wife, my husband. No, no, no. This is different now. He says, I want you to go as witnesses. In other words, you, first of all, look, I know we're thinking all of this, it's a physical death, they're going to kill me physically. But it's also dying in yourself. 
And this is it, dear friends, as you go out and proclaim Jesus Christ, you know what the world will say? Away with this man. Away with this woman. We don't want your Jesus. Don't you come into this workplace and talk about your Jesus? But if you do that, you become a martyr for Him. You become a witness for Him. Turn with me in your books, into, uh, into your Bibles, into Revelation. And I want to show you something in Revelation chapter 1. Verse 4, Jesus is not going to ask you anything that He hasn't done before you. Have you noticed that? He's leading the way. Look at this now. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before His throne. And look at this now. And from Jesus Christ. You see, it uses the word Jesus before Christ. That means of Him on the earth while He was walking amongst us. Jesus Christ. The faithful what? Witness. It's the same word that He used here in Acts. The faithful martyr. The faithful martyr. The firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see there, He wouldn't ask you anything to do if He hasn't done it before you. Now this is the thing that I want to show you as well. You see when He says to them, you will become my martyr, where does He start? He starts in Jerusalem, then to Judea, then to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. I want to show you something in your Bible in John. Go to John chapter 2. This is the path that Jesus followed. Again, He won't ask you to do something which He hasn't done Himself. Here He starts in John chapter 2. Look at this. Look at verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. That's where his ministry started. Okay, I know before this, he had the, the, the wedding at Cana. But what did he tell his mother? He says, woman, what, I, what do I have with you? My time has not yet come. But as he now going to Jerusalem... And what did he do there? He chased all of those animals out of the temple... That brings attention to him. His time is busy to come. His ministry starts there, in Jerusalem. He stays there. Now I want you to have a look at this. Now look at John chapter 3 verse 22. And after these things, remember Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And then after these things, His disciples came into the land of Judea. You see, he asked them to start in Jerusalem and in all of Judea. Here Jesus himself went into the land of Judea and remained with them and baptized. And what happened there? You remember a couple of weeks ago I preached on that? There was a dispute between the disciples of John the Baptist and Jesus. And why did he go? Look down. Look down at verse chapter 4. Therefore, chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made them baptize more disciples than John, 
Verse 3, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But then turn the page. Verse 4, But he needed to go through Samaria. There you go. He tells his disciples Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. I find it fascinating. That is really what excites me about the Word of God. Nothing that our Lord Jesus Christ said is off the cuff. Everything can be substantiated by the Word of God. And friends, that builds our faith. It's not as if he walks in and go, I haven't got a plan. But hey, we're going to make it as we go. No. Every single thing is purposed by God. That gives me confidence that if he holds me in his hands, he purposed for me life. It's worked out, friend. And he knows the best for you and for me. You see, I want you now to turn over to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. <coughs> he made Capernaum his base and he kept preaching in that reason. And now we come to our verse that we've said, we started this morning. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And he says it in there, he says, But you shall receive that power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Go down to verse 12. Then they returned, after this happened, where did they return to? Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem where Jesus Christ said that they will be his witnesses. And... In, in, and, and Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet and is near Jerusalem on the Sabbath journey. Go to chapter 2 verse 14. Now Peter in his sermon, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. He's starting to preach to the men in Judea. He's following Jesus Christ's footsteps and he's following Jesus Christ's word and direction. Turn to Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Can you see that the word of God is not just a book of people who paint this? It's a design by God. All scripture is given by him. He says in chapter 8 verse 4, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Here we've got it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. But there's one thing that Jesus said here. All of Jesus' work was done in those areas. Jesus Christ didn't come down to Australia. Physically, that is said. But he said there to the ends of the earth. You see, this is what needs to happen. That's why I'm not here today to say, listen, brothers and sisters, let's build a big congregation of numbers. No, no. We need to equip everybody and you go out and you become a witness. A witness, a martyr for him. You see, this is, this is his plan. They had to go out. Uh, um, turn with me to Acts chapter 8 verse 26. Just turn, turn the page. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. 
So he rose and went, and he behold a man of Ethiopia. Enoch, a great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charged all over the treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. There they are starting to go out to the ends of the earth. I find this fascinating, friend. This is how the Word of God spreads. Let me bring it back to you. What is Jerusalem for you? Jerusalem, for you and for me, is our family. It's my household. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Young people get into the churches and the Lord speaks to them and He saves them. And then they get a call for the missionary world upon their hearts. And God bless them if they go. But you know what? If your house is not in order, how can you go to the ends of the earth? It starts in your house. You become a witness in your own family. There you make your stand for Christ. There you start talking about Christ. And then it spills over into Judea. Judea is all your friends around you. Look, if your family, if your family, the nucleus, nucleus, if that family serves God, you know what other people will say? What a lovely family. They've got something that shines out of them. And it attracts. Christ attracts. Haven't you noticed as we study through the Word, every time something happens, He attracts the crowds. But we're not in crowd building, we're in witnessing. So as it grows, it goes into Samaria. Samaria, like we say, if you look at it in a biblical sense for the Jews, they were the half-breed, the outcast. That becomes your workplace and the people you're amongst. Now listen to me, dear friends, you carry Christ in you where you go. And then to the ends of the earth. How wonderful it is to follow Him. He's got a clear and direct path for you and for me. Now let's get into that word in John chapter 4 verse 46. Have you seen now He came again to Cana in Galilee? Where He had made the water into wine and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. I love this passage, as I love the whole word. I think you you hear me say I love this passage so many times, because I honestly love the word of God. It is fascinating, dear friends, Cana of Galilee. If you look at this now, that Cana of Galilee uh, is also said it's Cana, Galilee of the Gentiles. So he went back to them. You remember in verse 44, just previously, he turned to his disciple and he said, a prophet is not known in his own country. So, when he was in Jerusalem, we know the Pharisees, they would wanted to kill him because the Pharisees was that part of the middle class. They were in for the crowds and all of a sudden Jesus attracted crowds and he becomes a danger to them. They didn't accept him as the prophet. Why? Because they knew his father was a carpenter and he's a carpenter's son. How can he be the Christ? How can he be the Messiah? So now he goes into Galilee, the Gentiles. And what happened? The word says, the previous verses, they received him because of the signs that he did, of what he did in Jerusalem. And it's at this point in place that this official came to him. And I just wonder, as we see here a desperate father's call, if you've been in that same situation in your life. 
Can you feel the anguish of this father as he comes to Jesus Christ and he begs him, he says from, I want you to come and heal my son because he's at the point of death. He's desperate. He heard Jesus Christ came into Galilee. He left everything and he went to Jesus. And that is the right thing to do. I don't know what you're going through. It might be a small thing. It might be a massive thing. But know this. Jesus is the one who will hear your desperation. you just got to call on Him. Come to Jesus. Come to Him. This man, he says, my son is at the point of death. He came to ease Jesus and he asked that of Him. How desperate he must have been. His son, his own blood, the point of total separation, the point of death. And he comes to Jesus. He wants to call on Jesus as Jesus came into this place. If desperation grabs upon people, they will humble themselves. Isn't it true that when you come into your most difficult time, that's the time when you fall on your knees and say, Oh Lord, help me. I want to say to you this morning, don't wait until it gets to that time. If I think about those words and I think about the load of weight that people are carrying upon their shoulders, it presses down. It's like gravity. And friend, problems will push you down until you hit your knees. This man is there. He's desperate. He comes to Jesus. In verse 48, Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And one wonders why. Why did he say this now? I mean, listen to this man's desperation. But you've got to understand, he's back in Cana. And what happened in Cana? First of all, his mother came to him. You remember the wedding? And his mother said to him, there's a problem here. The wine is finished. We want you to do something. And he said, woman, what do I have with you? My time has not yet come. Here now we see a father come to him. A mother, and now it's a father whose son is at the point of death. And there is a slight rebuke here. And Jesus is talking this. He says, unless you see, that is a plural, unless you see miracles, signs and wonders, you will not believe. The word wonders there, like I said, is the word amazed. People want to be amazed. But that was not the attend of the Father. You see, at this point in time, the Father could have said, oh, listen to Him. He doesn't want to help me and go away. But no, He pushed through. You see, He was desperate. He came to him and he says to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And you see, he was right in coming to Jesus and he knew that Jesus could do that, but he made two mistakes. He made two mistakes. The first one is, he wanted Jesus to come down to Capernaum. And secondly, he thought, well, if his son died, it will be too late. Friends, let us not try to contain Jesus in the way that we want Him to work. You see, there is a movement out there today that says that we can limit God. I want to tell you, try your best, you cannot limit God. God is God on His own. Have you noticed? 
You see, dear friends, if I stand here on this earth and I look around me and I think, wow, you know what, I'm a strong person. I'm very clever. There's nobody more cleverer than me. Until I walk into a group of people and I look around me and I say, oh, there's somebody more cleverer than me. There's somebody more stronger than me. You see, God, when He looks around Him, there's nobody on His level. God is God on His own. He doesn't need you and me to be God. He is God. And you know, being God and nobody on His level, He's got His ways. And He will accomplish His ways. Now we can pray to Him. We can be like this Father coming to Him, desperately crying out and say, Father, please help me. I desperately need your help. He will help you, but He's going to help you in His way. I know so many times people say, Oh Lord, if you can only help me this once, I'll serve you forever. So in other words, in my way, Lord, help me now. You know, God doesn't do that. You say, where's the scripture proof of this? Well, we'll have to go to Isaiah chapter 55. And we need to see what Isaiah the prophet says about this. He says in verse 6, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Is he still to be found today? Yes. He's still to be found. When does that stop for you personally? The day when you blow out your last breath. Seek Him while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let Him return to the Lord. Look at this Father. He came to Jesus Christ. He came to Him. But this first one thing that you need to do. And he says there, forsake your way and let the unrighteous do what? The unrighteous man, his thoughts. You see, and, and it just came to mind, and I want to open it up there while you keep your finger there. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Praise the Lord. It's just a scripture that comes up in my mind. Look at verse 1. He says, and this, this fits perfectly, praise the Lord. He says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Look at this man. He comes to Jesus. He's desperate. He says, my son is dying. You come to the Lord. You say, Father, I'm desperate in this situation. I'm calling upon you. And the Lord says this morning, Behold, my hand is not shortened, it's lengthy. It can touch you wherever you want, that it cannot save, nor my ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But, there is a but in verse 2. Look at that. He says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. He will not hear. Because of what? Because of iniquities. You see, when Isaiah writes this down in Isaiah 55, he says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. The first step that you do is you call out upon Jesus, and then secondly, you forsake your wicked ways, and you turn away from your unrighteousness and your unrighteous thoughts, and let Him return to the Lord. There is a way. That's the way. 
I've said it before a few Sundays ago. I've got it against these people who are preaching a a salvation without repentance. And here it is. Look at the next. He says, that he may have compassion on him. We serve a compassionate Father. We serve a compassionate Lord. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Now look at this. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Listen, Father, I know your son is nearing to die. You want me to go down there. You think it's going to be too late when he dies. But look, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And his ways are not our ways. He thinks differently than you. Whoa, surprise. He's never late. Have you noticed in your life? He's always on time. Oh, we become impatient. We say, oh Lord, you know, it's got to be six o'clock. Oh, it is now. Oh Lord, it's got to be six o'clock and then it's five to six and then it's one minute before six and you become so desperate. But he's never late. Even if it is five minutes past six, he's still on time. Because it is in his ways declares the Lord. Look, let me tell you one thing this morning. You cannot limit God. You want to tell me that you, a moral being, can limit the unlimited God? The creator of this universe? Declares the Lord. As the heavens is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, this man came to Jesus and he says, you better come down. And I like it when Jesus follows up in verse 48, John 4, 48. He says, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Now we need to take this as a message this morning. What did he believe? He believed the word that Jesus spoke. The word of Jesus Christ is powerful. You know, all can change, but the world will stay. His word will not go out and come back void. But it will accomplish every single thing that it's been purposed for. His word will go before. His word is powerful. We find an example of this in Luke chapter 5 verse 3 when we find the disciples and getting into one of the boats which was Simon's boat, he asked him to put it out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and lay down your nets for a catch. Come on, go out and catch some fish. And Simon answered him. He said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. You know about preaching, I know about fishing. We've been out there the whole night. There ain't any fish out there. Have you had people say that before? But remember the message from Isaiah. The Lord's ways is not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. He says, we've been there. I've, I've done the effort. You look, look, I've got all the stamps in my book. It's all stamped. It ain't happening. But I like it when he says, you see, you see the Father by faith 
The father by faith took the word, he believed. And here the same thing he says, but at your word I will lay down the nets. At your word. The word of our Lord is powerful. What happened in verse 6? And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Just trust the word of the Lord. So in verse 51, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. He was healed. So he asked him, this is not, this is not the right year, because if Jesus does a work, he does it properly. He healed the son. So he asked him the hour when that began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come to Judea, to Galilee. The son lived. And he himself believed. Jesus Christ is Lord over distance. We can't contain him. He's Lord over distance. That's the miracle. He said the word. This is 16 miles away. He was in, in Cana, 16 miles away. He was Capernaum. And at that point in time when he said, go, when he said to that man, go, at that point in time, 16 miles further, his son was healed. My Lord, the one whom I serve, is not bound by distance. You cannot contain God. The first miracle, you remember the wine? We saw that He was Lord over time. What did He do? Wine takes time to become wine. And what did He do? As they draw the water out, it, it was wine. So He's Lord over time. He's Lord over distance. Hence, Isaiah chapter 55, His ways is higher than our ways. That's what we learn out of this. If you find yourself in a desperate situation, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He has the answer. Every single day of your life. I love it in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 when he says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He brings peace into your life. He's the Father you didn't have. If you come to counsel to us, I know the Mighty Counselor, and I'll introduce you to Him, and we'll go to His mind, to His Scriptures, and we'll find the answers for your life. But come to Jesus. Do what this Father has done. Go to Jesus. You see, he put a lot of faith in that, didn't he, if you think about that. His son is at the point of death. What are you going to do? Are you going to leave the deathbed to go to Jesus, a man? And by the time you leave, he dies and you were not there? What's the people, what's the family going to say? Come to Jesus. Accept his ways as the best way and obey them. He said to him, go and your son will be alright. Think for yourself at that point in time. He came to Jesus to do what? To grab him on the arm and to take him down to Capernaum. But at his word he says, go. And he left him. And then finally, believe in his word and do what he said. 
Listen to Peter. He says, but at your word, I will let the net down. So I don't know where you're sitting this morning, but listen to what Jesus did in the circumstance. Remember, when he comes into that circumstance, see how he deals with people and learn from that and apply it to our lives. Let's pray.